Amen. Turn your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. The Apostle Paul is the writer of Romans. God gave him unction by the Holy Spirit. And as you look at the, the book of Romans, you find so many great doctrines of the faith in this book. You find the doctrine of sin, you find the doctrine of salvation, you find the doctrine of sanctification, and you find the doctrine of glorification. And it is in that order that you will find these doctrines presented in this book. Because you cannot understand the doctrine of salvation without understanding, first of all, the doctrine of sin. Because the Bible says that Jesus came to seek and to save sinners. And until you understand you are a sinner, you are wretched in the very eyes of God, you'll never come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. It's not about joining a church. It's not about writing your names down on a membership card. It's not about getting wet in the baptistry pool. It's about meeting Jesus Christ who comes in, convicts your heart of sin, shows you your losses, shows you your need. And if you don't know that, you've never been born again. You can be a church member, but you don't know Jesus Christ. Because when Jesus comes into your heart, he comes in to save you. He comes in to change you. And he does that by cleansing you with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And Paul begins sharing this. And all of a sudden, when you get to Romans chapter 7, you think Paul is a schizophrenic preacher because he starts to question, he starts to halt, he starts to appear confused. You ever felt that way? Look what it says in the book of Romans chapter 7, beginning reading with verse 14. Now, I'm going to read this slowly if I can. I've been accused of not reading very slowly, but this is a tongue twister. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For that I would, that do not, that do I not. But that I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but the sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Guys, you ought to underline that. In my flesh dwelleth no good good thing. When you think you've got goodness going on, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Do you see the tongue twisting of these passages, these verses of scripture? For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. When you look at the doctrines that are set forth in the book of Romans, it is amazing what you find as Paul gave us this tremendous letter, letter under the unction of the very Spirit of God. And, and if you can come to understand the truth simply of this book, you are going to understand the depth and the height and the breadth and the width of God. And you could call yourself in all right a theologian because you have got a handle, you have got a grasp upon, a knowledge of the Word of God. You see, in the book of Romans, you find various signs 
titles that have set forth. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God. In the book of Romans, you find the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we find also that nothing can separate us from the love of God. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we should present our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto the God. And it also declares that we have all sinned and come short of God's glory and all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. But then when you get to chapter 7, right in the middle of the book, you find Paul, he starts dealing with personal issues. He starts dealing with a struggle that he has. Do you have any struggles in your life? Do you have any issues in your life? Because if you do, you're in good company because Paul had struggles. Moses had struggles. David had struggles. You find all through Scripture, men and women of faith, they had struggles because there is a constant battle going on inside of you. When you're born again, there's a struggle and it's a struggle between your flesh and the Spirit of God. There's a war. God has not called us, saved us to enter into a playground where we can kick back in the recliner and take it easy. He said, you are in a warfare, you are in a battle, and you will find yourself making struggles. And though you may appear schizophrenic, though you may appear confused, though you may appear you're halting between two opinions, what's going on is there's a battle inside you raging. You know anything about it? Yeah. If you're born again, sold out to Jesus Christ... You face challenges. You face struggles. You face issues in your life because the more you want to serve Christ, that old man, that old nature creeps back up and he tries to pull you back to where you once were. That's why sometimes you're up and sometimes you're down. Sometimes you're hot, sometimes you're cold. Sometimes you're on fire, sometimes you're drier and dust. Sometimes you're on the mountain, sometimes you're in the valley because we are dealing with a warfare. We're dealing with a struggle. The old nature doesn't go away. But the new man in Christ Jesus can come forth. But there's a constant battle going on inside our lives, struggling inside us. It's the issue of that old man. It's that issue of that sin nature. And here's what I've noticed in my lifetime. Longer and longer that the church goes, the modern church doesn't want to deal with the issue of sin. Many times I've listened to people, I've listened and sit in places, I've, I've tuned into situations, and, and what I hear is, is you are so good, you are just a really blessing for God to have you. And, and we want to stroke people, tell people how good they are, and yet the Word of God says the complete opposite of that. It says, in me there is no good thing, I am wretched, I am, a, I am sold unto sin. And yet we want to tell people how good they are and how blessed God is to have them in, the, in His church per se. But the modern church and many a modern preacher does not want to deal with sin. And that's why we're in the mess we are in because of sin and because of the silence in the pulpit. Because we are sinners by nature, by choice, by birth. And that sin causes us problems. Now I don't want to get too graphic. I've not been here long enough to get too graphic yet. But you understand in the Bible where it says your righteousness is but filthy rags. Do you know what that word means? It means a used menstrual cloth. It means the best you got stinks. Isn't that right? It means the best that I've got doesn't come close. It is but filthy rags. 
And we get this idea that, oh, look what we are doing for the kingdom. Look what we are doing. Oh, God, you are so blessed for me to be. Listen to me, guys. I am a sinner saved by the grace of Almighty God. And in order for me to be saved, I had to submit to his grace. I had to submit to his word. I had to submit to his lordship in my life. And anything that he does in my life that is of eternal value, he does it, not Mark. He does it, not me. And you've got to come to understand there is a wretchedness about yourself, about your life. And if you don't come to deal with your sin, what happens is you start thinking something's really wrong with me because I just don't get it. And part of what you're not getting is salvation because you've got to know you're a sinner before you can meet a Savior. You've got to know you're lost before you can be found. I mean, that's so many people, they just want to love them into the kingdom of God. And you say, oh, oh, you just, you just do this, you do that. No, you've got to struggle in your sin to know who you are without Jesus Christ. You've got to know lostness. Just because you were raised in church doesn't mean you're Christian. Just because you were taken to every, every Bible school around does not mean you're a Christian. You've got to meet Christ on a personal level for yourself who comes into your heart and saves you. He saves you in your sin. While you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. And He will save you and He will seal you and He will secure you. But you've got to yield to Him. You just can't say, I want to be a Christian and not a Muslim. You see, we live in America and we think, oh, I want to be a Christian. We're we're a Christian nation. We're not Muslim. That don't mean you're born again. We've got this false Christianity all around this land. You've got to be born again. You've got to meet Jesus Christ. And it only comes as you surrender to Him. When you surrender, when the North surrendered, or the South surrendered to the North, let me get it straight, in a civil war, there was no cutting of a deal. It was an absolute surrender. And that's the way it is when you come to faith in Jesus Christ. Why do you think Jesus, when he talked to that woman at the well, when she said, give me this water, give me this water that will quench my thirst, he didn't give it to her right away. Now most of us would say, here, honey, drink the water. No, Jesus said, you're not ready. He said, you've got to understand, you've got five husbands and a man you're living with now is not you. You've got to deal with your sin issue. And sometimes we get good intentions and we want to help people along and we hurt them because we get in between between them and God and they don't ever deal with their sin. We pat them on the back and say, it's okay, honey. Let them struggle in their sin to understand the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. The Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, those who walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. Aren't you glad there's no condemnation in Jesus Christ? Aren't you glad when you're truly born again, you don't have to worry about the devil's hell? You don't have to worry about that type of punishment? You've been promised a, a land on high. You've been promised a mansion in the sky. Don't you understand? God says you're not under condemnation nation, then why do you feel that way sometimes? We get confused. Sin brings shame. Does anybody ever, who all wants to have their past life put up on the screen so we can see it? Any, any takers? And my hand is not up. It's just there for a reason. <laughs> See, 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 see we, we are ashamed of what we did in our past. We are ashamed of, you, you know, I've got a testimony that I'm ashamed of. But that's not condemnation. And see, we just think any twinge of, 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 of guilt 
or shame is con- no, that's not condemnation. That's sh- do you understand what reproach is? There are certain things that are a reproach that brings reproach upon the name of Jesus Christ. That brings reproach because of what we have done. And God gives us forgiveness from these things, but it does not necessarily take away the shame. Right? But man, in Christ Jesus, I have no condemnation. In Christ Jesus, he, he cleanses me and He forgives me. And see, we don't let people struggle through the process of knowing it is by faith that I confess my sin unto God. I say the same thing, confess unto God. I confess my sin and God says, I will wash you and I will cleanse you and I will make you brand new again. And see, see, we don't let people struggle through knowing that we have been cleansed by the Spirit of God, by the blood of Jesus Christ. And even though we got stuff in our past that we're not proud of and we're ashamed of. We have been cleansed and we have been forgiven and we know that. And we don't know condemnation. And the key is you walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. And and so Paul is, is writing here and right in the middle of this great book he says what I want to do I don't do. And what I don't want to do I find myself doing it. You ever been there? I mean, is that where we live? Yeah. And he says, Oh, wretched man that I am, is there any hope? And, and see, see, what happens is, is you can go to any type of church you want to, and somebody's going to tell you, Well, brother, bless your heart. You're going to be all right. And we never show people what it means to, 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 to wrestle through and apply the blood to our lives personally of Jesus Christ and know what the Bible says about forgiveness of sin and know what the Bible says about, about having our sins cast as far as the east is from the west. And, and therefore, we go on with this uncertainty inside ourselves because we've committed something that is false because we think because I've jumped through this hoop and I've gone down this aisle and I've shed a few tears but I'm still miserable because I don't know the forgiveness and the cleansing of God. Why? Because you only know it by faith. You have to receive it that way. And so so Paul is is writing this this, this letter and and, and he says, here's your issue. There's a war going on inside of you. I don't care how saved you are. I don't care how sealed you are. I don't care how secured you are in Jesus Christ. You have a war going on inside of your members. The old man is constantly trying to raise his ugly head up and pull you back into that old way of life. But you put on that new man, Christ Jesus, and every day I've got to put on that new man, Christ Jesus. No, I'm not being saved every day, but by faith... I put on that new man, Christ Jesus. And as I put on that new man, Christ Jesus, that old man, he says, no, 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 Mark. He said, you come back this way. What's it take to, to, to get your senses going back to that old way of life? Sometimes it's just somebody lighting up a cigarette, right? And you smell the smoke. And all of a sudden, that craving inside you, you start salivating, just thinking, man, just one more. If you're, if you're me, it's you watch somebody spit ambeer when they're chewing tobacco. And you sit there like, man, I used to like to chew tobacco. Man, that's just nothing better than a good shawl. You know, anyway, I'm losing y'all. Anyway, see, 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 that's all it takes. It starts getting those juices flowing back inside you of that old way of life. Maybe you hear that bottle pop open and all of a sudden you start thinking about, man, that was fun. That tasted good. Maybe, maybe you think, I, I, I've got this under control. And all it takes is one little action and your mind starts going back. That old man starts seducing you away. He starts pulling you back and you're taking two steps forward in Jesus Christ and the way old man shows up and you take one step back. That's what the devil wants to do. The devil's desire for your life and my life is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Never forget that. 
He's not your good time buddy. He's not going to help you along. He's going to feed you corn like he's taking a pig to the slaughter. And he'll let you get fat and sassy until you will not be able to turn back. Hear me. And Paul is saying, what I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Oh, wretched man that I am. Is there any hope? And he says, yes, it's only found in the person of Jesus Christ. And you keep, that old man keeps seducing you. And he keeps pulling you. And here's what whispers in your ear. This Christian stuff is too hard. Let me tell you guys, it's more than too hard. It's impossible. (laughs) Apart from Jesus. What whispers in your ear is, you just need to quit. What whispers in your ear is, it's not worth it. How do we compare 70, 80, 90, 100 years to eternity? You can't. But that old nature, that old man constantly is out to pull you back. But what I want to tell you today is is there is a power beyond us. God has a power that we don't even have have control of. It is beyond us. And and if you want to have strength for the struggles that you're going through, if you want to have uh, have power for the pathway you're walking on, if you want to have might for the mountains that you're facing, there is a power and it's found in Holy God. It's found in the person of Jesus Christ. It's found in the Holy Ghost who comes inside your life. And it's more than just being saved. It's more than being filled with the Spirit. It's more than being saved sanctified. It's Jesus being real in your life day in, day out where you yield to Him. See, see, Christianity is not a religion you got and you do on Sundays. If that's all you got, you're going to miss all the glory. Christianity is a way of life where you give yourself wholeheartedly and reservedly unto the Father. And day by day, the Spirit prompts you, the Spirit guides you, the Spirit quickens you and you yield to the Spirit of God. Now, now, I struggle in the book of Genesis with Adam and Eve. Adam had a perfect environment. Perfect water, perfect air, perfect food, perfect wife. Y'all a little slow men. Help me out here. Perfect. Eve had a perfect husband. That, that's been long gone, though. And with all the perfection that they had, they got dissatisfied. What causes you to get dissatisfied? How did they get dissatisfied? The devil. The devil came masquerading as a snake. Now, I don't quite understand it, but but apparently a snake walked upright at that time. You all get that? I mean, you got this 10-foot snake standing. I'll get away from my puppet. Anyway. Now, would that not cause you to say, I probably need to get away from you. But you know what the snake did? The snake said, did God really save you? And that's what he still says. He doesn't say it through a snake, though, today. 
He doesn't say it through someone that's got a red face and horns and a pitchfork and a tail. He says it through others. He says it through the media. Did God really say? Well, if God said that, your God's too old-fashioned. You need to get the updated version. Because there's nothing wrong with that. Did God really... And, and He brings in the doubts and He wants you to question the Word of God, the authority of what God said. And what happens is when we allow that to enter into our brain and we allow the doubts to come into our mind, that's what happened to Adam and Eve. And they were raised in a perfect environment with a perfect spouse. And yet they got dissatisfied because they doubted what the Word of God said. The devil always comes to make you doubt the Word of God. To make you doubt the authority of what God has said. And many of you can testify, I do believe, where things were going really well and things were going really good. And all of a sudden, when it was going really good, the devil got busy in your life. And he may have seemingly blindsided you, but he started coming into your life. And he started pounding on your life. And he started pounding on your brain. And all of a sudden, you started getting lax. And all of a sudden, you started getting weaker. And you say, preacher, I'm trying and I'm trying, but it's getting harder and harder. And I just don't know how much I can hang on any longer. Hear me, the devil has one purpose. He wants to kill, to steal, and to destroy your life. But let me tell you, we have a God who's greater than the devil. And we have a God who has a power that is all-powerful. We have a God that is almighty. We have a God that is all strength. And we can look to Him and He will help us. And He said, I can get you up the rough side of the mountain wherever you might be going. I can see you to the other side. And I know somebody who will hold your hand. I know somebody who will intercede on your behalf. I know somebody who who will keep you from falling. I know somebody who, who will take you and present you blameless before the throne of God. That somebody's Jesus Christ. Do you know Him? Not do you know about Him. Do you know Him? Do you know him in your soul? Do you know him in your life? Does he make a difference in day in, day out how you live? Do you know him? There is struggles in life. There are issues in life. And Paul said, in me there's no good thing. Oh, wretched man that I am. But he met Jesus Christ on the Damascus road. His life changed. But he still had struggles. And you can be saved, you can be sanctified, and you still have struggles. And you still have issues. See, see how brilliant Paul was? He, was? he was a genius. He studied under the, under the feet of Gamil. He spoke multiple languages. He wrote half the New Testament. And yet when he gets here to the book of Romans, he's saying, I've got issues. You read your Bible, you find a lot of men of God, women of God had issues. Do you not? I mean, you go all the way back to Genesis, you see Noah, he got drunk, he had issues, didn't he? Moses killed a man, he had issues, didn't he? Rahab was a prostitute, she had issues, didn't she? Solomon had 300 wives, 700 concubines, he, he was just crazy, he went beyond issues, all right? All right, David was a fugitive, he had women problems, Peter cussed, John got, was weak, they got issues, All through the Bible, they're presented to us. Why? Because they said, you are normal with your issues, but don't stay wallowing in your issues. Look to Jesus Christ and He will see you through. He will give you strength. He will give you might. He will give you power to overcome whatever is taking place. So what's your issue? What's that thing that's been a setback to you? Do you understand sometimes setbacks are setups? 
Because God lets, allows a setback to come into your life because He wants to set you up to propel you forward in your faith to move you from where you are to where you need to be. And just when the devil thought he had you, God says, not today, old boy. I've got him. And when the devil thought he had you down, the, the, God says, not today. And he picks you back up. But you've got to understand sin and how to deal with sin. And you need to flee from churches and preachers who say, oh, prosper and be blessed and think you're at a Star Trek convention. You've got to understand, how do I process through the issues of life and through the struggles of life? And the Bible shows us it's by the Word of God. A long time ago, I was watching a television show. It was a mafia movie. And, and this old mafia uh, kingpin godfather, he was trying to go legit to get out of the rackets. And, and, and he was trying his best to, to be right. And, and, and another gang showed up and they shot up his house and shot up some of his family. And he made this line in the movie. He says, he says just when I'm trying to go legit, it just pulls me back in. And, and sometimes that's the way it is in our Christian life. We're trying to go legit with Jesus and, and the devil attacks our mind. The devil attacks our finances. The devil attacks in our family. And discouragement comes in and doubt comes in and stress comes in and unbelief comes in. And Paul is saying, I've got issues and he's in the middle of the book of Romans chapter 7. And if you go fast forward over to the book of Ephesians chapter 6, guess what? He's still struggling with the same issue. But if you go to Ephesians chapter 6, he starts talking about spiritual warfare, how you deal with these issues. Look what it says in Ephesians 6 verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Man, that's a great verse you ought to commit to memory. Three words are used that for power. Be strong in the Lord. Be, be strong in the Lord in the power of His might. Strong power and might. You need all three. You need strength for the struggles. You need power for your pathway. You need might for the mountains that you face and you do that only as you look what Paul says you put on the whole armor of God because the devil is trying to steal your joy he's trying to steal your peace he's trying to steal your impact your testimony don't let the devil win and give you a permanent pity party stand fast in faith stand to the Lord Jesus Christ and let him move on your behalf because I know many of you you are Christians and you love God with all your heart and you want to serve him with all that you are but you're struggling with stuff so do I. It's a constant struggle. Don't be lulled into thinking it's just, oh, easy and, and sweet. It's a constant challenge. There will be attacks upon your biblical convictions in the world that we live in. There will be attacks on your interpersonal relationships in the world that we live in. There will be attacks upon your mind in the world that we live in. There will be struggles. There will be challenges. Why? Because it is a warfare, not a playground that we live in. You've got to be serious about the Lord Jesus Christ. And look what it says in Ephesians 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Two things you've got to know. God is all-powerful. God is sovereign. God is in control. God is omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. God is all-powerful, and you are not. Nor am I. We've got to understand, He is God. And he gives us these three words, strong, power, and might. And we need all three. Because you see, you will only be a strong Christian as you trust and obey. Now that's the point you ought to write down if you take notes. 
You will only be a strong Christian as you trust and obey. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, My strength is made perfect in your weakness. You have to learn to trust God, and therefore, as you trust God, it shows itself forth by your obedience to God. See, it's more than just being saved. It's allowing God to fill your life. It's allowing you to depend upon the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, David faced a difficult situation. And it says he strengthened himself in the Lord. Where did his strength come from? He remembered God. He remembered the Word of God. And he made it applicable to his life. And that's what you have to do. That's what I have to do. I've got to remember God day in and day out. I've got to remember the Word of God and make it applicable to my life as I yield myself to what the Word of God says. You have to obey God's Word. It has to be the habitual activity of your life where it flows out from you. And it's only as obedience flows out of your life are you in a position for God to do anything with you. You can't just show up and hand out groceries once a month. And not that I'm against it, but you can't just do that and think you are spiritually mature and God is just really going to bless your socks off. Because lost people can show up and hand out groceries once a month. We can do a lot of stuff in the strength of our flesh. Obedience flows through your life. And then ministry is a result of it flowing through your life. You cannot expect divine strength without submitting to divine authority. That's another point you need to write down. You cannot expect divine strength without submitting to divine authority. Spiritual victory is not so much learning how to fight the enemy as it is learning how to submit to God. The Bible says in James chapter 4, submit to God and the devil will flee from you. What we have to learn is how do I submit to God? Well, you had to submit to God to be saved, did you not? Because if you didn't submit to God, to God's word, you've never met Jesus. Because that's how grace is released. Because God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. And you humbly come before God, submitting yourself as a sinner, wretched, undone. You cannot save yourself, fix yourself, get yourself good enough, and you come because Jesus Christ, He's drawing you by His Holy Spirit, saying, I will wash your sins away. I will plant your feet on the solid rock. But you've got to submit to my word. You've got to submit to my way. You've got to submit to my will. And when you do, He saves you to the uttermost. He cleans you up. He places you on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. He enables you the ability to stand in faith, to stand in the very power of God. He saves you. He seals you. He secures you so you can stand firm. And sometimes you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do the other, but you can stand. And that's all he says to do. He says, stand. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now look back over here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringeth into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's what God says. Casting down imaginations and every high thing, proud thing, that exalts itself against the Knowledge of God. Exhausts itself against, what's the knowledge of God? Well, well, the Word of God is part of that. 
and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 17. Verse 16 is the verse you're familiar with. It says, And he saw that there was no man, and he wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate. This is God. And a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing. And was clad with a zeal as a cloak. God, he owns the armor. He models the armor. He gives the armor. He is showing, he's showing, I I own the armor. I'm sovereign. I I give you the armor. That's my nature to give. And I model the armor. That's my character. And if you're to have strength to stand, you've got to access the armor of God. You have got to put on the whole armor of God. And and, and hear me, it's not that you just mentally, before you get out of bed, you start thinking, I'm putting on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, my my loins are girded with a belt. It's not that you go through that. Because my point is, you should never take it off. But God says, here it is. I'm giving you my strength, my power, my might. And you are to stand in your anointing. You are to stand in your adversity. You are to stand in alertness. Why? Because I said stand and what I command you to do, I enable you to fulfill. You stand in your availability and the Lord will fight your battles. All you are to do is to stand. Why? Because God says, I'll take care of the rest. You stand fast and you pray. You stand fast until your joy comes back. You stand fast until you get your heart realigned to the Father. You stand fast until you get your mind back. You stand fast until you get your praise back. You stand fast until you get your peace back. You stand fast until the power comes. Life has issues. God is greater than our issues. He's given us a way. It's through the person of Jesus Christ. Access Him. There's hope. There's power. There's might. There's strength. Put on the armor. Stand fast in faith and allow God to demonstrate Himself in your life. So here's my question. Are you standing? I'm not asking are you struggling. I struggle many days. He just wants to know you're standing. We've gone through seasons in our life, our ministry. For all you can do is just stand up. The devil has beat the living daylights out of us. But you're still standing. You're not swinging this great big sword. You're not running aggressively attacking. All you're doing is standing. And you're beaten and you're bruised and you're weary. But you're standing. So my question is, are you standing? And if you're not, get back up. (laughs) Stand fast in Christ. Father, we bow before you this morning. God, you've given us strength for the struggles in life. Lord, you said we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Lord, we don't feel like conquerors a lot of the time, but Father, by your word, we trust what it says. Teach us, God, to stand. Teach us to stand fast in faith. Teach us, God, to stand as the devil attacks, as the devil throws those wicked darts at us, God. Help us to understand he wants to kill, to steal, and to destroy our lives, Father. And God, there might be one here that doesn't know you as a personal Savior today. God, they don't have assurance that if they died or not, they would go to, to heaven, God. But they know they don't want to go to hell. Father, I pray as you spoke to their heart, they'd come to this altar. They'd meet you as their Savior as they come in repentance of their sin.
Father, I pray you work a work of grace, a fresh and renew in each of our hearts this day. Draw us by your Holy Spirit, God. Show us what the struggles that we're going through are, the issues that we're facing, how it's always a reflection upon the devil trying to get us to doubt your word, to question your authority. Oh, God, let us nail it down this day and to stand fast in faith against the difficulties of life, against the issues of life. God, give us strength for the struggle, power for the pathways, might for the mountains, and let us reflect you to your glory in Jesus' name. Altar's open.